Hello and welcome to another episode of Biomast. We are live and broadcasting episode 132. A uh, bit of a smaller cast this week. Bait could not make it, unfortunately, but we do have Zell and Livy with us. And uh, a good list of news topics as well as a discussion for kind of an EVE Online slash Nova talk about uh, Alpha and Omega clones. So we'll get to that towards the end of the show. But let's start out with some introductions, starting at the top of the list with Soraya Zell. Hi, I'm Soraya Zell. I'm a co-host here on the show. Um... I play a lot of Overwatch, a few other games um, here and there, and that's about it. All right. And the ever-quiet but infamous Livy, tell us who you are. I think you gave me a really good intro right there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep that. <laughs> ever-quiet and infamous. Um, and, of course, I am Pokey Draven, co-host here on the show, uh, working on some stuff for the blog, and I help kind of produce uh, the, the Twitch side of things, trying to get that all running. So without much further ado, let's move into some gaming news. There's a, there's a bit to talk about this week. Uh, so last week we talked about some of the changes coming to Overwatch and Heroes of the Storm, and I know that that has now since been deployed. Uh, have you had a chance to try that out yet, Zell? Yes. They have they've made Overwatch great again. Did they drain the fjord and all that? Um they, you know they they don't have a fjord there. They're in they're uh they're in California, I think. So I think uh, so. Okay. Okay. Um and and really there's nothing to drain if you're in California right now or have been in the last couple of years. It's pretty dry. It's pretty dry. <laughs> yeah. But is is it playing well? I mean, I know there's a lot of new stuff. Did, did Sombra come out? Is she out now? Yes. Um Sombra is out. Um I haven't really played her much at all um but i i have had a lot of fun with uh, quick play not being trollish anymore it's now fun and engaging all of the time um and then the the big thing is so um you know they added this arcade feature which they replaced the old brawls with like a a, a scattering of a couple different options um and and one of them was of course no limits which is the essentially the old quick play but the th- they added two modes that i've i've had some fun with one of one is a is a 1v1 mode which is um like a best of 9 rounds um 1v1 like mirror matches so it randomly chooses a hero and it's you versus you know it's it it'll be sombra versus sombra you know bastion versus bastion whatever whoever dies first you know um and so that was kind of fun but i'm really bad at like playing against other players who actually have the exact same tool set as I do um, because I'm bad at playing games. Um, But uh, the one that I really enjoy is they have a three V three mode now. Um, And that's really fun. It's, it's usually, I think that's best of five usually. And uh, that, that I had a ton of fun with. I've, I'm actually enjoying it more than the original game. Um, I had it way back in, I want to say call of duty, modern warfare three, they had like a a face off mode, which is a really small map for three, you know, two V two or three V three play. And I I really love three V three play. Um, it's just fun. You know, it's the, the bigger you get, the less your, the less your actions matter. Um, and in a three V three mode, you can make or break every single game. And that's a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, they actually had that in uh, Destiny for a while. They had the, the doubles and then kind of the 3v3, you know, crucible matches. And you're you're absolutely right that it's that's about as hardcore as it gets because pretty much one misstep of one person can pretty much lose it for the team because you're you're so small that there isn't any extra buffer or wiggle room that your your contribution is so high. So that's actually probably pretty good for people that want a little more competitive setting. That's uh, you know more in the control of, of a small group of people rather than a full team because it's usually is it five v five or six v six? I forget in Overwatch. Um, Overwatch is six v six. Okay, that's what I thought. Um, yeah, I mean you're you're looking at um, you know twice the importance pretty much for the 
the, the individual player at that point, which is a pretty big jump. It's probably plays plays out quite a bit differently, I can imagine. Yeah, it does. Um, and it, it does. I mean, it's definitely not as balanced. There, there are certain heroes you kind of have to have, or really should have, in in, ca- in case it's not working. Um, you know, for for a longer match because it's because it's a you know once your character is dead, it's dead for the round thing. Um, the one character in the game who can resurrect people, which is Mercy. Um, if you're lo- if you live long enough in the game to get ultimates, it becomes incredibly powerful. Um, you know, to to have that hero on your three v three team. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's because it's arcade. There's not really any metrics or tracking for it in terms of like in your character sheet or anything like that. But I, so it's not really designed to be per se competitive, but I, I, I want to say if it keeps going that they'll, they'll do like a competitive, you know, a, a, a mini tournament of it somewhere. Cause it's a lot of fun. Well, and you can even see if you're watching pretty much any of their uh, blizzards, you know, uh, advertisement for what they're doing with overwatch. They're, they're really pushing this to be the next big e-sport. Like they, you see a lot of like partnership deals with, you know, hardware, uh, companies selling keyboards mouse and stuff like that and they're really showing off like hey look you're playing overwatch and you could be the next big you know world champion player or something like that so you can tell that blizzard's really kind of going for that you know they, they want to provide the the casual play for you know the masses but they definitely are pushing this more competitive uh direction i think that you know they're, they're going to try out different things and see what kind of sticks i i can imagine kind of like you said with a class-based shooter like uh, overwatch that when you really shrink down the, the size of the team, you can start to run into some problems where you are expected to have certain synergy and that may take more than three players to really pull off or it may require certain players to really be effective. And I can see it kind of struggling there, which is probably why the, the 66 format is probably what will still take the main stage. But, you know, it, it is a good direction to take it for, you know, tweaking uh, different things and letting people kind of experience a tighter, you know, higher uh, higher stakes gameplay. So I think that's, that's actually pretty cool. They're going with a 3v3 for, for Overwatch. Yeah, have you had a chance to try yeah. out some of the Heroes of the Storm stuff, or just um, mostly Overwatch? Yeah, I, I played a little bit of it briefly. Um, they kind of have similarly, they have kind of some weekly brawl stuff, actually, much like what uh, um, what they were doing in Overwatch before they switched to the arcade, you know, mode. Um, now, um, and uh, yeah, I haven't tried a lot of it. I haven't tried like the new attack defense mode or anything like that. Um, it just it, it it's been one of those things that I haven't haven't had a lot of time to deal with this week. So, um, but uh, it is out. Yeah, I mean it's it's difficult, especially this time of year when you start getting a lot of uh, releases to try to kind of fit it all in. So it's it's understandable that it's kind of well, tough it's, to, it's to make funny time for too, everything. Because this is you know these are the same company. This is Blizzard pushing all their content out on one day, <laughs> and right. so um, you know I'm like, well, I want to play some Overwatch. Kind of want to see what Heroes of the Storm is doing, but I'm you know playing Overwatch. Actually, um, the other thing this week I did that's another Blizzard game is I finally got started on the uh, Legion expansion for uh, World of Warcraft, which um, you know has actually been out for a while now, but I hadn't started. That's right. Is it, are you enjoying it? Like, does it feel kind of more the same? Did they change anything up on that? It's it's pretty much the same. I mean, it's it's wow. You, you there are things yeah. that are a little better. There are things that are a little bit more polished. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, it is what it is, and it's always going to be that. Yeah, I mean, it, with the franchise running that long, you run into a lot of issues if you're trying to make big changes where it's going to 
freak out people that have been playing for what 10 years 10 plus years now i mean how old is wow you said kind of 12, the risk of playing 12. 12 years 12. jesus yeah i mean it, you want to be innovative and, and try to mix it up to keep the veterans interested but you also don't want to break what they enjoy about it so i, I can kind of understand that difficult balancing act of, of making big changes versus kind of just sticking with what you know so yeah you know, it's, it's actually uh, um now that i think about it it's actually the 12th anniversary event right now they actually have like a little uh uh you know, buff you can use and stuff like that for the event, and, and so that's twelve. So yeah, it's good to know for the uh, players out there that might have you know purchased Legion like you and didn't get a chance to get around to it. Now it might be a good idea to to hop in there and give it a shot. Uh, but yeah, so moving along, uh, another thing that is currently actually out right now. If you want to get in on the open beta for the game Steep, and Steep is the game that came out, they talked about a lot at E3, and it's kind of that extreme sports style thing where you're you're actually in uh, one of seven environments that are based off of real locations in the Alps, and it's a snow-based game. So you can either, you know, snowboard down or ski down or, or you know, uh, paraglide down or, or even, you know, those like flying squirrel bodysuits glide down. Um, it's kind of this extreme sports, and you're kind of competing in these little uh, speed trials and stuff like that. And um, that's actually available now on PC, PS4, and Xbox um, until November 21st. So you got until tomorrow, basically, to give it a shot. But, you know, if you're uh, an X Games fan, if you like extreme sports, um, hell, if you just like time trial games, this is this actually looks pretty interesting. It's not really my thing. I don't really like racing games or, or games that are like that because I'm terrible at them. But uh, it is gorgeous looking and, and definitely uh, there's there's people out there that would enjoy it. So I think that's it's probably worth keeping an eye on at the very least to see how well it does because you know it's kind of a different look at the open world where it's the open world isn't the primary part of the gameplay, but it's there um, to provide setting for what you're actually doing, which is kind of time trials and, and all kinds of stuff like that. So definitely worth keeping an eye on that one and kind of see how that pans out. And if we see you know more of that stuff coming out in the near future. Do you have a, you have like a trailer for that we can throw in there? Cause I, I honestly, I don't remember seeing this. I can look up the, uh, the, I don't know if it was necessarily a trailer, but they kind of did like a gameplay, you know, walkthrough, and they were kind of talking about what you could do because it was a bit involved. But yeah, there, there was definitely something that was uh, shown, and we'll we'll get that on the website for, for the presentation to kind of take a look at it because, again, it, it looks cool. It's just not for me, but you know, it it, it was kind of fun to watch all the stuff you could do, and the environments are fantastic. So we'll get a link up for that uh, at the end of the show. So another thing that came out uh, this week is a, a brand new 17-minute gameplay trailer of Space Hulk Deathwing, and that's the Warhammer 40k co-op or single-player uh, experience game that we've we've talked about several times in the show before, and I've been watching you know fairly carefully to kind of see you know how it pans out, and so they finally actually released true gameplay trailers um, or actual gameplay before they were kind of, they felt pretty scripted um, and you know, you know how it goes. You have the initial release of stuff. You kind of have a scripted quote unquote gameplay trailer, but this is actually, you know, full 17 minutes of a mission uh, in the single player campaign that they're going through. And it's uh it's, it's a little interesting. I, I think that it might be that it was an early mission because I felt the pace of the gameplay was uh, a bit slower than I expected. And, and I am not familiar in any way with, Warhammer 40k or, or how you know the board games actually play out or anything like that so this this could be true to the franchise and just not what I was expecting but the gameplay felt a little bit slower than I expected it might speed up um, you know in later missions but it, it was interesting you know it's it's definitely got a very clunky very very slow pace I mean, your characters don't really run they, they kind of stomp around and you know it, it's uh, it's class based I think in the single player you're kind of uh, 
stuck in like a in like a certain class you can't really pick but you have you have four teammates that are with you and there's like a medic and stuff like that and they can kind of repair your armor and, and stuff like that so that's a single player and that's kind of the gameplay trailer is and supposedly the multiplayer is purely co-op uh four player you get to pick what class you want um and there's like a weapon customization system i think in both game modes which looks kind of cool you know i'm, I'm a big fan of, the, of that sort of thing but uh yeah, it, it still looks interesting. It's kind of one of those things I'm going to keep an eye on. It is currently in beta on PC only. Um, if you pre-order the game, you can you can get it in the beta right now. Um, it's been going for a little bit, but I'm I'm probably going to hold off and see you know kind of what the console version looks like compared to the the, the PC version, just because of the people I play with. You know, it's it's not always uniform in, in what platforms they have. So I'm going to keep a close eye on that. The Console version is coming out uh, sometime in 2017, but the game is releasing on PC uh, December 9th this year. So if you're a Warhammer 40k uh, fan or if you want to have a good co-op shooter, uh, definitely take a look at the trailer. Kind of tell me what you think. Um, again, it, it, it's it's a little different than I expected, but I think it still could be pretty good. But we'll have to see kind of moving forward and, and get some more you know, in-depth uh, look at it, what's going on with that game. Now, so you, did you say you have to be in, you have to pre-order to get into the beta? Beta. If you want to get into the open beta, you have to pre-order. And I think you can save 15% if you pre-order now. Um, and its base price is $40 on Steam. So you can do the math. It, it comes out to, you know, low 30s, or mid, low to mid I, 30s if you, if you pre-order I, now. I like to beta test games and then buy them, not the other way around. The yeah, way around. yeah, that's kind of turned me off. Like, if it was a free beta, I would have been all over it and, and probably given a proper review of, of what I thought. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't like paying almost full price for a game. Um, I don't think Steam will provide refunds for that sort of situation either if you decide you don't like it because of the experience with the beta. Oh, excuse me. Um, but yeah, so that's that's Space Hulk Deathwing, and, and like I said, we'll, we'll probably keep covering that one. I know that that Jay uh, Jay is a big fan of the Warhammer 40k, and I he's kind of got me interested in it, and the gameplay looks interesting. So we'll we'll, we'll keep an eye on that and keep you posted on, on what's going on with that franchise moving forward as you know more gameplay and, and reviews come out. Uh, in other news. Uh, Sadly, Persona 5, it's a series that I'm, I'm actually pretty pretty fond of. I've, I started with Persona 3 and really enjoyed 3 and 4. But uh, 5 has uh, been announced that it's delayed until April of 2017. So it was supposed to come out like really early January, February this year. But I have to push it back a couple months, which is a real shame. But uh, yeah, so we, we don't have an exact release date on Persona 5. But it is going to be April and it is coming out on PlayStation Vita and PS4, uh, as far as I know. So... Wait a little bit longer, but I've got lots of stuff to play uh, until then, including Final Fantasy XV, which is coming out in nine days on November 29th. So I'm looking forward to that, and that'll probably keep me more than busy for the next four months or so. So we'll, I'll probably be in pretty good shape. But uh, yeah, so Persona 5 is delayed, unfortunately. In other news, kind of going back to PS4 Pro. Um, so the PS4 Pro, as you all probably pretty know, is kind of the upgraded version of the PS4, we'll call it PS4 Classic, just for the sake of clarity, but it is the upgraded system, it's got a better GPU in it, and it's designed to basically output in 4K resolution natively, and there are some games that actively support this, and you can actually kind of switch um, kind of a 4K setting on it, it'll actually, you know, provide enhanced visuals and stuff like that, and then you can put on your 4K TV with better visuals and stuff, just basically taking advantage of you know, the, the, the better GPU. 
But it also kind of had the added feature of being backwards compatible with all PS4 games. And there wasn't really any set promise in that it will make the game work better. But a lot of reports come back that games do look better. They, they, they render better. They're, they're a bit cleaner, um, better frame rate. But in some cases, you're actually seeing kind of this weird drop in frame rate. So uh, some of the examples that they, they provided was Last of Us, um, Deus Ex, Mankind Divided, and the Skyrim Special Edition, in that it is rendering in 4k but it's actually starting to see some nasty drops um maybe downwards of like 20 frames per second which is pretty bad given that they are you know trying to sell it as an upgraded system that you know it's it's an upgrade to your ps4 but it's actually at times running at a lower frame rate than the ps4 and there's a lot of you know tech discussion on why this is happening but it kind of comes down to that it is if because if the game doesn't have like a native support for the ps4 pro it's still trying to output at 4K, but then also kind of struggling to maintain that same frame rate if it's not really optimized for that. And, and I could be wrong on that. Again, I'm not a super hardware techie guy on this, but you're actually seeing, you know, like I said, it's, it's in some cases, it's kind of almost like a side grade. You have a better resolution, better clarity. In some cases, you know, better rendered, you know, better anti-aliasing, that sort of thing. But then you have a frame rate drop. So it's it's an upgrade in some ways and a downgrade in others. So it's kind of an awkward situation. And, you know, Sony hasn't commented too heavily on it yet. But, uh, you know, if I'm buying an upgraded system, I, I would actually probably be kind of upset if the game that I had on the PS4 is actually running worse on the PS4 Pro. You know, I mean, what do you guys think? No, that's fair. Um, I've actually, you know, hesitated to buy upgrades for things because it doesn't upgrade every aspect of it. And so I'm like, mm -hmm. well, maybe if I hold out, they'll make something that does what mine does and all the new features as well. So PC Master Race, what you're saying? Well, no, I mean, like, so I have a TV in my, uh, my uh, I have a 55-inch TV, and the, the advantage of my TV that I particularly picked out is that it's a passive 3D TV, which means it uses the same real D glasses you get in a theater, um, mm -hmm. which are coincidentally extremely cheap. Um, and so I don't use it for a lot of, uh, of the 3D, but I don't want to lose that feature. I have a lot of 3D Blu-rays, um, and I would like to get a 4K TV that can do 3D through passive 3d because um the the thing with passive 3d is that it doesn't require batteries in the glasses but it does have the vertical resolution of the screen while it's playing in 3d so you get like 520 pixels high um when you're watching a 3d movie um so my thought was hey if you get a 4k tv that can do passive 3d you get full hd resolution in passive th in in 3d um but there's very few passive 3D 4K models. There's like one or two, and they're really expensive. Um, so I've hesitated to buy like a 4K TV or, you know, maybe a 4K TV that is active 3D, which I, I to me is a downgrade. And so I've just ended up not buying a new TV, which saves me money in the long run. So, you know. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's always kind of a, an interesting dance, especially since they're kind of starting to wade into this idea of you have like a effectively a ps 4.5 and the fact that they're you know they're, which is very good that they're insisting it must be backwards compatible that they don't want developers producing games that only work on the ps4 pro i think that's that's good because you wouldn't want to effectively shorten the life cycle of you know the original purchase of the ps4 classic but at the same time i think they're also starting to kind of run into issues that if the game that is backwards compatible is not natively supported by the enhanced visuals but it's still trying to push the visuals because that's what you paid for 
um, you can start running into issues like that. So it, it is kind of an awkward place where they, they want to call it a PS4 and only upgrade parts of it, like you said, but it doesn't necessarily run the same way or, or, or work in the same way. So that, that can cause issues. And, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I don't want to try to you know, take a dump on the PS4 Pro. I mean, for the games that does natively support the, the enhanced features, like Final Fantasy XV, for example, it looks really good. Like, it, it, it really does help the visual. Like, it's, it's definitely worth the purchase if you are specifically interested in the supported games that it's coming with and you have a 4K TV. I think it's, it's probably worth the purchase if that's what you want. But for those of you who are thinking about upgrading that, you know, don't necessarily have a focus on those games or don't have that resolution TV or expect it to work the same way that your current PS4 does, just be careful, you know, really get out there and kind of look at the reviews and then educate yourself on exactly how your particular games are going to run on it and look at the reviews of that because it is not consistent right now. And I think that that's something you really got to be careful with is that if you're going with the expectation that it will be guaranteed upgrade, you might be disappointed. So do keep an eye on that and make sure that you're, you're educating yourself on, on what you're getting and, and make sure that you're not going to be, you know, now, let down you, by now, what you end up if with. You, if you lower the resolution back to normal, you know, 1080p, you'll get the full, full frame rate, right? You know, I'm not sure how it all works. Cause again, it, it kind of depends on if the game supports it and how it wants to render it and stuff. So it, it's inconsistent. I'm not sure if you actually have the control to throttle that. Um, and it's also, again, trying to improve visuals. Even if it's not natively supported, it still tries to render things better than the PS4 does. It doesn't just, you know, set itself at PS4-level graphics. It still tries to maximize what it can do, uh, which, again, can cause issues. I don't, I don't think you have control of that. I think it's it's guaranteed to to try to do that at the very least. So That's you know, it, That's It's iffy. Yeah, um, and like you said, if, if that is a feature, I do apologize, I didn't check on that, but if it isn't a feature, that seems like something that they should patch in there that you can go, uh, I'm lowering my frame rate, can I drop the resolution down, like force the resolution to 1080p and to guarantee my, my frame rate, because that is you know critical for some people, especially for competitive games. If you're dropping down to you know 20 frames a second, I mean, shit, we know what that was like in Dust, it was painful. Um, that can be a big deal. And, and some people that may want to, for that particular game, guarantee a certain frame rate, um, it's probably worthwhile to have that feature built in. So if, if that's not in there, that's certainly something Sony should probably look at. Okay, so we'll move into to bigger news, and we'll, we'll let Zell kind of do a, a deep dive on this one. Um, so in regards to Star Citizen, there was a newsletter that went out uh, that caused a lot of gamers at the beginning of the article to start sweating profusely and freaking out. So I'm going to hand this over to Zell and kind of explain what's going on with Star Citizen and what that newsletter was about, and, and kind of we can talk about it from there. So take it away, Zell. All right, so yeah, so this letter starts out with like um, – you know, four years ago today, this, you know, this started, cause this is their, uh, they had their anniversary live live stream of starting this whole crowdfunding thing. And so then the next paragraph is like, I'm always humbled by the incredible response that they've received. Um, the next paragraph is thanks to all your support. Your contributions have enabled us to, I'm, I'm just literally grabbing the heads of whole paragraphs of text to give you an idea. Um, then it's then like five paragraphs down is with this ambition comes a price. And so you're reading this letter. And it hasn't said a lot yet, but it's really long, and it starts with all of these kind of ca- caveats and stuff, and and you just start to think, oh my god, he's gonna cancel the game, isn't he? Um, <laughs> and uh, but anyway, so then what he goes into is about how they've kind of always taken that announce things are coming out when they're ready sort of thing, um, where they don't give dates, um, and uh, 
obviously they've been hit really hard for not having dates in a lot of cases. And so they've decided to kind of go the completely other side of things, which is to uh, show their internal uh, release schedule of where, you know, when they're going to be working on different things and what their tentative release date is. And so that they're going to have this uh, regularly updating link where you can actually check that out. Um, and as it, as the case is, their current tentative date to get um, uh, Star Citizen 2.6 out um, is uh, December 8th. And obviously, there you know, a lot of these this prefacing was to say that that is subject to change and that, you know, a lot of companies, you know, work on development of their game for years before they announce it publicly. But because of the way they made their game, it was, you know, always very public for the entire long run and that that's a big part of why, you know, it looks worse. There was there was a lot of text in this letter that was very much trying to explain why they're getting the criticism that they're getting and why they think it's that it's unjustified. Um, and uh, down below that, they ha go into a whole thing about the, the fact that they continue to sell new ship designs that aren't done yet and why they do. And the fact that it doesn't uh, that it doesn't it's not supposed to give you any advantage in the game and that it's primarily a way to, um, you know, help fund development. And that if you want the ship, but you don't want to pay the money for it, then you should, of course, wait till the game comes out and then get the game or get the ship in game. You know, that it, you're going to be able to earn all these things in the persistent universe. Yeah, I mean, they, they've obviously been under a lot of scrutiny. And I've, I've often poked fun at, at the whole thing because of how how ambitious the game is compared to kind of how they release things in, in the level of, of, you know, how they release it and in, in, in when it happens. And, you know, it, it makes one wonder. But at the same time, I think it's good that they're kind of trying to be a little more transparent with it and, and talk about, hey, this is what we're going to do. This is our internal schedule, but keep in mind, it's an estimate. It's not a guarantee, you know, shit happens. I mean, anyone who's worked on uh, a timeline based, you know, business structure understands that shit does happen. And, you know, estimates and, and even, you know, production promises don't always hit the mark. You know, they kind of get pushed back. And I think in, in some ways you, you want to avoid the criticism by simply not talking about it. I mean, you see that with, with Nova and certainly saw it with dust that, it was very hush hush. They don't talk about it. They under the pretense that, Hey, we don't want to give you a false sense of entitlement in that, you know, I'm expecting this to happen on this date. And if it doesn't happen, I'm going to burn this shit down um, that they want to avoid that. But at the same time, you also, you know, it, it helps, I think in a sense of trust to go, Hey, you know, we are, this is what we're trying to do. If we fuck up, we are deeply sorry. Please don't burn our, our, our development building down. Uh, we can't make the game then, but, but really like back off. Like we, we we're trying here to get it done. And there's a lot of complexities involved. I mean, anyone who has been following star citizen can see that what they are trying to do is tremendous. Like it is absolutely insane what they're trying to pull off. So it stands to reason that when you've got a lot of moving parts, if one thing goes wrong and there's lots of things that could go wrong, it's going to cause issues with, with the schedule. So, yeah, you know, um, I, I think it's, yeah, it's um, good that they're open about it, you know, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was, I was just, uh, going to say, and so the, the big thing of course, is that this, this update that's supposed to come on, uh, December 8th, um, is a uh, star Marine, uh, is one of the, the big headline features of it. So they're, they are, they are adding a couple of additional ships to the game as well. Um, but Star Marine is, of course, the the uh, space FPS game that that looks very dust like um, within the within the within the boundaries of Star Citizen itself. Um, 
And so then uh, the the other news that I wanted to to throw in here is that, uh, as I said, it's their anniversary um, event. So they're doing a big sale this week um, of virtual spaceships that don't exist yet um, for insane gobs of money. Um, And one of the things that they talked about in the letter as well, because it has gotten some criticisms, is that they have introduced a new type of ship purchase called a war bond version. Um, And effectively, the difference is is that... uh, you cannot use credit store credit from existing or previous purchases um, to buy them um, because what has happened a lot is is they they'll release a new ship a bunch of people say hey this is cooler than the ship I already bought they return the you know they they refer to it as melting it but they melt their their old ship purchase that they and and put that money towards buying the new ship that just came out and uh, so what they've done is there are a couple purchases. Um, where they have a new ship that's out and it's ten or twenty dollars cheaper at, for the war bond version, which means you must be purchasing it with new money or contributing to uh, Star Citizen, as opposed to you know trading trading in. Um, and then they're actually they're this year the capital ships that they're selling, which are the uh, Idris P clocking in at thirteen hundred dollars a pop and the Javelin at twenty seven hundred dollars. Um, are you serious? Um, I am. I am dead serious. <laughs> I, am, I am dead serious. Are you? And okay. <laughs> these these two are only available as war bond versions this this year. So if for people who didn't purchase them previous years or something like that, if they want them now, they have to buy them with with new money added to Star Citizen. Um and uh, just to give you an idea, so they 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 set these out where they they they're uh the Idris and the Javelin are limited in the number that they're willing to sell. Um, which, you know, is, is kind of funny in itself, but so that they said four times during the last weekend, they were going to add 200 Idrises and 50 Javelins. So 800 Idrises and, uh, 200 Javelins total. And the Javelins did indeed sell out immediately all the time at $2,700 a pop. They sold 200 of them. And then, um, but the Idris has been for sale several times before, um, and I think you can tell that the the interest is starting to die off. Actually, in the last twenty minutes, they did sell four more. But you know, the whole point of releasing them in batches was so that everyone in different time zones would get a chance to to get them. But uh, already a day after the last release, almost or well, twelve hours after the the last release, there's still four hundred of them, over four hundred of them left. So they're actually they haven't actually sold out of those at any point throughout the throughout the weekend. Well, I mean that's understandable. I mean <laughs> this is this whole thing is is you know well beyond what people were expecting it for for full release. And, right, and, but they used to sell right, out they used immediately. Sell out. They, I mean, it well, used to, this my, my, used to be a fight for these things, and, and it's starting to right, wear down. And, and, it's starting to wear down. Yeah, because people are like, ah, screw it. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll reference again the the down payment I put on that car, the three build car, the Elio. It's like at first it's like okay yeah I doubt okay when when's it out this year this year next year and like four years later I'm like I don't even really care anymore about the money I spend like if it happens it happens you know whatever but I'm certainly not gonna you know up my investment or or you know try to upgrade to to get a better position in line I I just don't care anymore if it happens it does if not then 
you know, so be it. And I, I think that's kind of where a lot of supporters of Star Citizen are going to is that it's like, eh, you know, unless you're, you know, a Denny Fleetfoot whale where you, you know, refinanced your home to buy Pixel spaceships, chances are you're like, ah, you know, it's not a big deal. I'm, I'm not that into it anymore, and I'll I'll check it out when it finally releases. I'm, the, the hype is is gone. I mean, hype can only last for so long. With they do feed it content. really feed well, it. though. They do feed it really well. So, like they they announced another ship um, is a four hundred dollar ship. Um, well, it's four hundred and twenty five or three hundred and eighty if you buy it uh, as the warp on version. But it's a drop ship, and it looks really cool. I'm not going to buy it, but it looks really freaking cool. And it comes with a manual on, or like a brochure, you know, as if the manufacturer brochure for the model and they have videos on how they design the thing. And it looks really awesome. Um, it's called the Asperia Prowler. And is that for like specifically going from, from orbit down to a planet's surface? Like it's that kind of dropship? Um, yeah, I mean, it's got like eight doors, like personnel sized doors on each four on each side that you can just like live drop down into and it's it's got uh you know kind of this whole folding osprey like landing system and stuff like that okay that's pretty cool so i'm gonna gonna bring us back to that star marine um update so is do we have any details on on what's going on with that are they just kind of saying it's coming out on this date and you get to try it then or do we actually have a little more in-depth understanding of how it's going to work and, and stuff like that or is it just kind of the gameplay trails they released a ways back about it do we do we know anything about that yet um i, I don't have anything particularly big newer um the the big thing is that we should actually start to hear some stuff because the uh tentative date uh of december 8th included the suggestion that before then would both be what they call the evocati beta which is for a very limited group of people and then uh the the normal ptu phase so like their timeline and again i don't know if they've actually hit this or not but their timeline said that star marine would go to the evocati group um as of the 18th of this month on their timeline so i don't know if they hit that if they missed that or what but they're they're talking about shipping this stuff really right now um as far as getting the actual game in front of people's hands Okay. And so is that going to be available to everybody or just people who have, you know, bought into the game by buying a ship or something like that? Yeah, um you'll have to have bought something for the game, you know, you'll have the to game. have okay. the game. Have- but, you know, that's that's like been down at 30, 40 dollars at times. Right. As a minimal purchase. As a minimal purchase. Yeah, I picked up like the 35 or the 45 dollar ship. I forget what it was at the time, but it's the Aurora. You know, it, 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 probably. Yeah, it, it was a really basic, you know, single seater with the bed in the back. Like, it was, it was cool. I mean, the I, I last time I tried Star Citizen, it was when you could really only walk around the hangar and, and climb into your ship and look around, which was, you know, and there's it, there's, there's a, a lot, lot more though. I mean, there's yeah, I mean, there's the arena commander mode, which is you know very straight matches and stuff, and then there's the there's kind of like a mini persistent universe where you can actually go to different sites. There's some missions you can. Do. um there is some open world pvp there um i mean there is actually quite a bit in the game but yeah the starter package is 45 dollars, and that's that's what you have to have minimum to play like star marine type content and stuff like that stuff okay like that. okay yeah because I'll, I'll definitely want to check that one out because i am kind of curious uh how, where they take that because i think a lot of people are kind of looking at star citizen and star marine specifically going okay well this is kind of what we wanted where you have your FPS, you know, style game. And it's, it's truly linked in within the universe of, or even the actual game instance of, you know, space battles. And I think that that is kind of what the, 
the future vision that people wanted from Dust 514 was going to be. So I'm kind of curious to kind of get in there and, and give it a shot and see what they've come up with. If it is something different, if it's pretty generic, and, and just kind of get a feel for it. Because I think that's that's something that's probably on, on people's minds and, and how that's going to play out. So, you know, once that comes out, I'll be sure to kind of hop in there. I just and hope sure your can, computer can run it. Well, that's that's the other thing is that my, when my brother, who has a similar spec machine, tried to do the training mission of Star of Star Citizen because he actually logged into my account to give it a shot, his computer crashed hardcore. Like the thing could not run anything. But and I'm is, sure they've they've since it optimized is, it. But yeah, yeah it's I'm hard, not really it's sure hard, if it's yeah, going to work or not. Because it some of it is the fact that yes, it is a very high fidelity game. They put it looks amazing, and they don't cut any corners. Um, but on the other hand, it's also buggy as I'll get out. So it could be your computer performance. It could just be that the game is buggy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I play uh, Seven Days to Die, so I, I can understand and appreciate bugs. But, you know, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get in there. We'll give it a shot, and I'll, I'm sure we can drag Dell in there. We'll see if we can get the game to run or not and then give you guys a review on, on what Star Marine feels like inside Star Citizen. Uh, anything else on that before we move along? Nope, that's it. That's it. Okay. So... <laughs> Apparently, uh, it remind me of his name, Zell, but the guy who plays the Arrow on, on the TV show. Stephen Amell. Amell. Yes, yeah, Stephen Amell. Apparently, some random guy came up to him and headbutted him and was basically like, yo, 1v1 me, bro. He wanted to actually fight the actor. He said, he said I want to fight the Green Arrow. That's what he said. He said, he headbutts the actor and says, I want to fight the Green Arrow. Yeah, so, you know, there's there's that. We We have those kinds of fans that feel it appropriate to go up and you know smash their face into an actor's face and then make requests to i guess fight um so <laughs> I, I i guess that he, he basically said uh yeah i'm not gonna do that and shook the guy's head and kind of just walked away which is you know a pretty controlled and classy way to handle it because if someone headbutted me randomly i probably would not react as, as nicely but yeah that's a, a bit of fun uh <laughs> superhero actor news that was just kind of floating around out there um Tales about uh, Negasonic Teenage Warhead it was kind of one of the, the co-host or co-cast um, X-Men from the Deadpool movie. And as you know, Deadpool is independent from Fox, which owns you know the X-Men. And so there was kind of some some legal trouble there in trying to get X-Men to actually you know go into Deadpool and get everything to work right. So apparently, and I'm not familiar at all with with the Marvel universe, so. Negasonic Teenage Warhead, her powers in the Deadpool movie were not really the original one. And I guess what they did is they made a deal with um, the guys over at that were doing uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, basically saying, hey, can we have one of your characters and we'll change her up and basically make her nothing like what she actually is because we just want her name because, you know, it's a, it's a name that, that fits the Deadpool movie quite well. And in exchange, we'll give you one of our characters, which is Ego, the Living Planet. Um, which is the weirdest looking villain I guess I've ever seen. I'm not familiar with it. I mean, do you know anything else about this cell other than you know, I've never heard of it? I've never heard of this character. I'd never heard of Negasonic Teenage Warhead before it was in Deadpool too. But yeah, apparently the big thing is is Fox needs permission to like drastically change a character from the Marvel version, and so Fox has the license to you know use uh, any X Men character. But if they want to do like a massive change, like completely just using the name they had to get permission and then marvel was like so can we use this other character instead in exchange and so it's one of those things like neither neither franchise was really going to be messing with these characters in any other way 
So it wasn't like a big dramatic deal, but it, it was interesting. And it does tell us who, you know, this character that's going to be in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Um, but I don't know if it's a villain or not. I don't know, I don't know anything about it. It's a planet. It's a planet. Can you be a villain if you're a planet? It's literally a planet with a face on it and a beard. And it, you know, says random. It's weird. Like, it, it's it's one of those things where... You know, <laughs> I think um, they were talking to the directors of Deadpool and they said, yeah, we wanted to have an X-Men. Um, and we want to have, like, you know, someone other than, you know, um, what we have so far. And so they said, well, what about Negasonic Teenage Warhead? And <laughs> Marvel's like, who? And they're like, exactly. So can we have her? Because nobody cares about her, but the name is funny. So we, we want to have that. So I think they, they, they got it. And I, I don't know if Guardians of the X will actually use Ego, but we'll have to see. I mean, it could have been just kind of a... Uh, a legal kind of exchange to, to to make it you know seem fair or whatever, but it, it's well, it says I, that it's so it says weird. that ego's being played by character. Kurt Russell. Oh, it says that in the article. Yeah, oh, you are right. Um, I am seeing that now. So, so we yeah, will have so, the plans with yeah, faces. Um, yeah, and so just just to clarify too, is ego is actually um uh part of the Fantastic Four property, which Fox also owns the rights that's to. Right. Owns the rights to. That's and right. so um that's why Fox has that character um is because they they have the rights to Fantastic Four. Um obviously Fantastic Four doesn't need that character. Because <laughs> they don't because they we'll never need. see another movie with Fantastic Four again. But Fantastic Four gets, oh but, my god. I, I mean Fox, I mean Fox may do it just because they again they, they get to keep the license to Fantastic Four as long as they keep making Fantastic Four movies. And that's why the last one happened and wouldn't surprise me if that's why the next one happens. Next one happens. Oh, good lord, help us all. It's like you, you need to stop, but you know, if you gotta do what you gotta do. So yeah. Um, moving along to, yeah, I guess we're kind of, oh, our dev stocking, because we stock devs. That's what we do. Um, so Logic Loop, our, our buddy Logic Loop, the uh, map builder extraordinaire behind a lot of the, the really good maps and Undust 514, and critic of the ones that are, are not so good. Uh, we regularly stock his Twitter, and he has confirmed that there are scan lines on the force fields in, in Nova. So uh, we now we know we have lifts that are most likely operated by consoles. Uh, there are probably force fields with uh, scan lines, and we also have randomly spawning asteroids. So, we, we again, we're, we're about 98% of, of the way of knowing everything there is to know about uh, Project Nova, and it's all thanks to our buddy CCP Logic Loop, the wondrous map designer who, who who does love to drop some some fun tidbits on Twitter. Really, if you if you want to follow him on Twitter, he, he does talk a bit about things that are really vague but it's something which is better than i loved his response to me here too the, the just a little shruggy oh yeah we always go back and forth and <laughs> you know um usually he'll drop some minuscule detail and we'll respond with you know oh well clearly this big elaborate feature is confirmed thanks for for telling us you know um but yeah we, we, we go back and forth and he's, he's a real cool guy and, and definitely worth uh, following on twitter to kind of check out you know, what he does and some of the stuff he posts Okay, so we got about 15 minutes left, and I'm probably going to spend it talking kind of about our main discussion. And, and this is something that is uh, more relevant to EVE Online right now, but it is definitely worth mentioning for um, Project Nova, simply because of its success in EVE Online. So recently, uh, with the most, uh, the, the most recent update on EVE Online, they introduced the Elf and the Omega clone system. And for those of you who haven't been listening or, or haven't been following, effectively, EVE Online is free-to-play, sort of. 
you can download the game, you can log in, and what you have is an alpha clone. And alpha clones are very limited in what they can train. Once you pick your, your character's name and the race they are, you can only train skills within that race's kind of skill tree. So if you pick Galente, you can only train Galente ships. Um, I, I think you're limited to, to what you can train in terms of like defensive systems. It's going to be you know armor and stuff like that. And there's some hard caps on how high you can train certain skills. And you can only train up through... I think it is cruisers, so you can do the frigates, destroyers, and the cruisers. So it is effectively a very long demo. There's no time limit on this. You can go in, you can train uh, all of the skills that they allow for free. And you can do pretty much all the activities you want. You can go into you know, high-sec missions. You can do uh, low-sec fact war or PvP or go to null-sec. I mean, you can do all those things. You're just going to be limited to the skills and the ships that alpha clones are limited to. Now, if you want to upgrade your clone to an alpha or to an omega clone, sorry, omega clones are effectively exactly the same as Eve Online was before, where you're paying a monthly subscription, you have full access to all skills, all ships. There's no limitations to that, and you can again still do everything you could have done before. And so it's kind of left even this really strange. Um, again, I don't like to call it free to play because it, it really is not free to play. I think it's a very expansive and uh, not time limited uh, demo, but it is kind of in this weird place. And this, the, the player counts have absolutely skyrocketed. Like there is a ton of people playing Eve Online right now, and, and definitely it's got to be a large chunk due to these alpha clones coming in, which is great because Eve Online's content is, of course, built around players. You know, it's it's not so much. NPC missions or anything like that, the content is the players. So the more players you have, you theoretically have more content. And I think this is fantastic for Eve. Um, it, it's certainly brought in a lot of people. The, the, the Discord and the Skype chats are all chattering about, you know, let's go on to Eve. We're going to do all this. You got lots of new players, tons of Dust players, the Dust forms moving over and giving Eve a shot. So it's been successful. It, it has done exactly what CCP wanted, which has caused a big injection of, of more players into the game. Um, obviously, not enough time has passed to really see if that will, you know, keep going. If it'll keep the, the same kind of player counts it has with this initial rush, but you know, we can only hope. So my question is: This has obviously been successful for Eve Online. Would a Alpha and Omega clone system make sense? And if so, how would it work in the setting of Project Nova in a FPS game on PC? How do you think it would work? So I'm going to start with Zell because Zell kind of, you know, he's had pretty good experience with all of this. So what do you think? Do you think this model would actually make sense for Nova? Ish, but it'd have to be very different. Um, I mean, the the big thing is that for Eve, you really have, you have your, your free users and your paid users, but really the bulk of your player base is still going to be your paid users. Those are going to be the consistent players of the game. You can't really be a long-term experience player for free. Um, and I I don't think a subscription is something that is really compelling to a lot of uh, FPS players. I don't think a lot of FPS players are going to want to pay a subscription. Um, personally, if there was a subscription to Dust, you know, I probably would be would have been on it. Um, but I think that's going to be a much more niche crowd. Um, so I think that the subscription has to be more kind of above and beyond extra stuff than as opposed to you know, the baseline, here's what you need to really just get in and play the game at, after a certain level. Because really that's, you know, it's not a time limited, but it's the free version of EVE is still really a trial. Because there's going to be a point you're going to cap that out. You'll be like, there is nowhere I can go from here but to pay for the game. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty limited. And then that's that's the argument I make is that people go, oh, yeah, Eve is free to play now. I'm like, it's really not, and it's not intended to be because, as you pointed out, you're going to hit that cap, and it's it's going to happen fairly soon. Like, it, it, only being able to train one one race for the skills, and, and the skill caps are, are fairly limited. The intention on CCP is that you will upgrade if you are serious about playing the game further because you could max up a character but you probably won't even get that far. You're probably going to get to a point where you're going to go, well, shit, I want to do more than just do cruiser missions or, or fight cruiser fights or, or stuff like that. It gives you full range of everything you can do, but you are still severely limited, and you definitely will be at a disadvantage uh, in terms of skill levels and stuff like that with bonuses and that sort of thing because you are hard-locked into the, the most you can do. So the intention for EVE Online is that you will upgrade eventually. Um, it, is, it is a trial. It is not meant to be played free forever. DOS 514, on the other hand, was definitely a free-to-play game. The intention was that you can come into this game and you can play free forever. And there's a lot of debate going on about if that was a good thing or not. Um, you know, obviously, Dust was not profitable for a very long time. And I think that even though eventually it was considered profitable, I think that probably was largely due to the fact that they dropped off a lot of cost by removing developers. Um, Obviously, if you have less payroll, it's easier to, you know, go in the black. So, you know, that that's questionable, that if the, the model that Dust used was due to a poor model or it was due to a poor, poor player count. Because as you know, free-to-play games that are truly free-to-play are heavily, heavily dependent upon massive player counts. Because in a free-to-play game, the, it's going to attract people that are not going to spend a lot of money. They're not interested in spending a lot because they're coming to the game most likely because they don't want to spend 60 bucks on the game. So they might spend zero. They might spend one, two, five bucks, 10 bucks. You know, it, it, they might kind of trickle the money in, but it's not going to be that guaranteed sale that a paid game has. Like Eve Online used to have. They have a guaranteed, you're going to pay this much every month and we're guaranteed that income if you want to keep doing it. You don't need as big of player counts to make that happen because you know exactly how much money you're going to get every month free-to-play games it's a little more fickle you have to be you know careful about how you are structuring the monetization and how you are going to make money because you need higher player counts because you're assuming that guaranteed value is much much lower your average amount per player is not going to be 15 bucks a month it's probably going to be closer to like five four or five you know down there i, I don't know you know exact numbers but it's going to be lower than a subscription game because if they're willing to pay the amount for a subscription game, they're probably going to be playing a subscription game. And when you have a market like an FPS, there are a ton of shooters that are free out there, um, especially on PC. On, on the PS3, you kind of had the advantage because there wasn't, wasn't much competition, so Dust kind of got away with you know doing whatever it wanted. But on PC, you can't you know just i don't see a subscription model actually working i don't think that if you're going to lock people out of content and say hey you can't train these suits unless you you know upgrade to an alpha clone i don't think it's going to cut it i think that even though people might do it it's going to leave a bad bad taste in people's mouths and that's not going to help your player count and at the same time if you're going to advertise it as a free to play game and they have they haven't talked much about nova but they have said it is a free-to-play game. That is our intention to make it free-to-play. Using the same model as Eve is not free-to-play. It is a trial. And so like you, like you said, Zell, you have to change some pretty key components, I think, to actually make it work if you want to call it free-to-play because it's it's not. Excuse me. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's... it's I, I don't know. I, I personally don't think that it, you could keep it 
even remotely similar. I think that locking people out of content is is bad if they're going to go like again that free to play uh, direction. I think that you almost kind of have to adopt a more traditional free to play model where you're going to make it off of your your cosmetics, your um, you know we'll call them uh, convenience bonuses like you know faster SP gain that sort of thing. Um, and of course you know as you kind of start going that direction, you run into a you know it's it's a it's a pay to win model, but you know, even Eve Online's is effectively pay to win um, because you know you're you're getting better ships, better weapons, better bonuses, stuff like that. That's that is pay to win because again, it's not a free to play game. So I, I think that you know it kind of comes down to that they really kind of need to discuss and decide what kind of game do we want to market Nova to be because if it's free to play. I just don't see this this Alpha Omega clone thing working. But I mean, let's let's talk briefly, Zell, about. You know what kind of monetization you think would work, though. I mean, how can we encourage players to spend more than they did in Dust, aside from just producing a generally better game? I mean, what kind of monetization options do you like to see, um, and which ones are are poor options? I mean, what do you think would work well? I, I mean, I think they were on the right angle with with the the uh, the skins. Um, I I don't really have an inherent problem with the idea of uh of the the skill booster i think that it would that if they're going to do it again would make sense to do as a subscription as opposed to one-off items um i think they made it a little ridiculous with the ability to stack up three of them got a little crazy um oh yeah absolutely Um, i agree the 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 pricing got out of hand the amount of difference that one could have if one brought in that much money got out of hand um but I don't have an inherent issue with it, and I think that if you're going to do a subscription, you would need to have, you know, bonuses that are just on top of what you have normally in the game, as opposed to exclusive exclusive stuff. Yeah, and I think that's the key thing. And, and people will make the argument, oh, well, you can have them, you get the subscription, then they can sell the item to other players for ISK, and that, like, like Plex is what they're going for. And it's, again... That's it gets kind of in a dangerous territory. I think that in this in this particular market, I think it's 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 kind of nasty. I think that you know skill bonuses or, or rather skill boosters are good. Um, that's again pretty common. You see in in FPA in free to play games rather um, that you know you can pay a monthly subscription and you get you know this much experience boost. And and you know you could even have it be in, in smaller, more granular you know bonuses like hey you can get for five bucks you can get you know i'm just use dust sp system for example it, it's not relevant no but say for five bucks a month i can get passive sp bonus and then for five bucks a month i can get active and i can put them together if i want not stacking the same type necessarily but just you can kind of pick and choose what elements you want to to enhance um rather than just a flat it's going to be 15 bucks a month and it comes with all this i like the idea it's more granular um, it gives players options because for some people like me who didn't have time to cap out every week, um, I wouldn't really want to pay for the active bonus because it wasn't it wasn't really worth it to me. I, I wouldn't get the full benefit from it because I wasn't capping. But for the passive, it was totally worth it because it would go and I get the full value no matter what. And I think that that, that kind of level of granularity is, is going to help people kind of bite into it a bit more. Um, and, you know, again, if you produce a quality game, people are far more likely to do it. But I think the key here is make sure you aren't setting up a system that is going to put a bad taste in people's mouths because player perception of how their free-to-play experience feels 
is really important. I mean, you can say, oh, but you can, you know, buy it from this guy or you can grind it out for 12 months and have a war barge, you know. That doesn't make people feel good about their experience. They, they feel that, yeah, I could get it by playing the game normally, but it's so insurmountable. It's so much time to win that it's not worth it. You still have to pay to, to really get that benefit. And I think that that's, you got to carefully avoid that because that can cause a lot of problems. Um, now, like I said, if it's exclusive for like SP bonuses, I think that's a little more reasonable. But in terms of like actual physical content, like, you know, the one that I see get tossed around a lot, which I really, really don't like is that, oh, well, you can buy a Plex. We'll call it a Plex for your corporation. That allows them to compete in, in planetary conquest. I hate that. Um, I don't like the idea that, you know, I have to pay to gain access to this piece of content. Um, I mean, EVE Online to an extent does that because you obviously can't take a, a, you know, a basic cruiser into a level four or five mission, but you can still take that cruiser to Nullsec if you want. You could still take it into a wormhole and be semi, you know, effective. You, you still have pretty much 95% of the game you can access. And certainly the parts that, that really make the game interesting, which is the, the player interaction, the PvP. So, you know, I, I think that that's, that's really critical. And I don't want to go down the path of, well, you know, we, we really want to really, really encourage people to fork out a certain amount of money every month. I get it. I really do. Um, you you want to create, you want to raise that that average amount per player per month up without making them feel like they have to. But at the same time, you really don't want to make them feel like they have to. And I think that locking content um, is a really bad way to go about that. So, I mean, that's that's kind of my, my rant on it. I, I just it's one of those things that you know free to play games are so finicky and you have to be so super careful with it and I think that it's a real easy slope to kind of slip down and and start kind of going crazy with it. I mean we saw it with with Dust and granted at that point the game was on life support and Rattati was probably doing anything he could to to get people to spend more money. So they added, you know, triple stacking boosters and crazy shit like that like I, I would hope that they would realize that that was a stopgap measure. That was like an emergency life support. We got to get money into this game to keep it running and not something you want to build into your base business model. I think that that's, that's really critical. So hopefully we can avoid stuff like that and hopefully we can keep the monetization for the free to play game feel like it is a free to play game. If that is indeed the direction they want to take it. If they want to go Eve online where it is a trial that's free and then a paid subscription game, then fine. You know, that's a different different story. I don't think it'll do well in the market against other free-to-play FPS games because people will just go, I'm not going to pay 15 bucks a month to do a shooter game. It's, it's not going to happen. Um, but, you know, I, I think that hopefully they go free-to-play and, and actually monetize it properly and, and don't go too crazy with it. Uh, but yeah, enough of my rant. Anything else in that, Zell, before we kind of bring this one in for a close? Nope, I'm good. Okie dokie. So uh, with that being said, we're kind of at the hour mark. We actually timed it pretty well here. So we're going to go into shout-outs. Um, are you ready, Zell, or should I go first? I am actually ready. Ready. Then do it. Shout-outs, man. Okay, I'm giving my shout-out to um, at least one of the people who manages the social media accounts for Overwatch. Um, because there's this, they, they put out this Facebook post about their free weekend, and uh, this person responded... Um, with a comment that was pair me with useless players. Sure. You can ruin my Saturday morning and the overwatch Facebook page responded. Remember, we always try to pair you with people of similar skill. Wink. Oh shit. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> and that's my and, shout out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love snarky community directors. I mean, it's, 
it's fantastic when they can kind of the PR department lets them kind of do their own thing and they can kind of be a little a little snippy with people that are being jerks. So you know that, that's always fun. Uh, Livia, are you still there? I am still here. She is she is quiet and infamous, and she she shows up for the intro and the shout outs. Do you have a, a shout out for today that doesn't steal, steal mine? Don't steal mine. Steal my shout out. Ah, I was going to. Okay, well we'll, we'll do it together we'll do it then. Um. <laughs> My shout out's going to go to uh, a microbrewery of all things um, called 8-Bit Aleworks. And there's a bit of a story behind this. Is I actually was watching a YouTuber online that does YouTube videos and guides for Final Fantasy XIV named Mr. Happy. And he went to the North American Fan Festival for Final Fantasy XIV. And a fan of his, a listener, brought him a growler full of this, this stout. And the growler was from a place called 8-Bit Aleworks. And he said the beer was really, really good. And the growler was absolutely awesome. It's got this kind of like um, 8-Bit style hop on the front of it. And on the back side, it's got the list of all the beers they have. And it's kind of set up like a like stats for like a potion. And so it looked really cool. I was like, oh, that's that's really neat. It's it's like a gaming themed, you know, microbrewery. And I said, I'll look it up and see, you know, if they ship because I would actually like to, to buy one. So I look it up, and honest to God, the place is here in Arizona, about forty five minutes away from my house. So I was like, well, shit. I'm like, all right, Libby, we're going on a field trip. <laughs> so we drove out to Eight Bit Illworks. Um, it's 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 over on the other side of Phoenix. And it's literally this like hole in the wall. It's like an industrial park. Like they basically set up in this small warehouse. They've got in the back all of their their brewing equipment, and in the front is this this you know storefront basically. And it's got a bar, but everything is um, gaming themed. So they've got you know little Mario characters on the walls, and and their their flights of beer come in basically a half of a. Uh, a Mario, you know, green pipe and the little little flights go in there. And they've got classic Nintendo games set up on the tables for people to play and they've got, you know, this big Final Fantasy mural on the wall and it's all kind of this homage to, to video gaming and all of their beers are named after, you know, video games. So like their their flagship beer, they've got like these four that they always do. And I think it was there was like a light beer that was called the White Mage, and then there was the Stout, which was the Black Mage. And then there was Hopsassin's Creed, uh, which is an IPA. And then I forget what the other one was, but it was basically a Legend of Zelda reference. And that was another, like, a double IPA. It was Hopsassin's uh, Creed. And Legend of Zamura, I think. I, f- I forget. Um, but yeah, they, they had these really really cool names. And it was all gaming themed. And the guy was really, really chill. And we were talking about games and stuff. And uh, yeah, so I, I bought uh, a Growler, and I got the, the Black Mage, which is the stat. It's really, really good, really fantastic stuff. And uh, and a, a glass, uh, it's got their kind of their, their hop logo on the front and the back. It says, remember, it's not a beer, it's a health potion. So um, I, I, I very happily uh, had a, a glass of, of the stout and, and took some home with me, and I was very relaxed on the way home. Libby was a was a real champion in, in drove for me, so she was our, my, my my designated driver. But uh, I got some cool stuff, and um, yeah, definitely worth going back there. So shout out to the guys over at Eight Bit Aleworks. Um, it's here in Phoenix, and really fantastic stuff. Anything else you wanted to add, Libby, before I totally take over your shout-out there? there. No, you did a good job. Good. Shout-out to them for making Pokey a happy camper for 45 miles. Oh, dude, I was was sloshed. (laughs) I was just, like, so chill on the way back. It was great. and yeah, and I, I actually wrote a review on their Facebook page, and they, they responded to it right away. And it was a thank you for coming in. So it was it was a, a cool group of people. It was like it's like a husband and a wife, and they they brew everything, and they do all kinds of crazy experimental beers and stuff. So 
I'll definitely be going back to that one, so shout out to those guys. But uh, other than that, I want to thank everyone for tuning in, either live on the website or on Twitch. I always enjoy talking to people on the Twitch stream as, as much as I can when I'm rambling like this. But uh, you know, thanks for tuning in live, or if you pick us up on the recording uh, in the next couple of days on the website or on iTunes. So uh, I want to thank everyone for tuning in, and I hope that you all have a very safe and happy Thanksgiving if you celebrated this coming week for our, uh, our U.S. listeners, and I just, you know, be safe, and then remember, don't drop the turkey in the pan of oil if it's still frozen, because you'll light yourself on fire. But that being said, um, everyone have a great night, and be safe.